Hello, friends. Welcome to the Spiritual Nomad podcast uh, and video cast. And uh, hello, YouTube. I'm very excited to be doing this. And I wanted to do a standalone episode today and actually record the video of it uh, just to put out there. I'm trying to really use all the media and methods of putting content out available to me. So I've been using Instagram for quite some time, doing little videos here and there. Um, obviously, I've been doing podcasting. Whoops. been doing podcasting for a little while. And uh, what I really want to do is venture more into this YouTube thing um, and recording a lot of these conversations and also just like standalone uh, talks that come to me. Um, also, too, I do like some cinematic uh, recording as well. So uh, if you're here on YouTube uh, or if you're listening, you can go to YouTube. And I did one just kind of a random thing out in the desert that I just really, uh, I riffed, I ad-libbed. I didn't really had, uh, I didn't really have any particular thing to say, um, but I created just this really neat sort of video um, off the cuff. So check that out. Tell me what you think. I'm going to do more like that. But today... Uh, I just want to share with you just a little bit about where I'm at, uh, where I've been, and um, in particular, uh, just how to reconcile being a deconstructionist in your faith, um, or even what's better is how to be a reconstructionist into a faith that works for you, into a spirituality that's actually life-giving, where you feel whole. Um, How do you do that in an honest, real, truthful way? and deal with the friendships uh, and relationships that are in your life. Because for many of us, um, maybe some of us are leaving the church, maybe some of us are uh, finding new ways of living and being, uh, spiritually speaking, and uh, people around us don't get it. They're not understanding. They're not they're, they're feeling like either, one, uh, people have accused me of being just rebellious, There's people that have said, oh, Luke's just being a rebel. He's just believing really off the wall, bizarre things because he thinks it's cool. Um, You know, he's in, you know, just trying to be in opposition to whatever the mainstream is. And people have just accused me of being a rebel. Maybe some people have accused you of that too. Um, But for me, and I was just actually on a conversation yesterday with uh, the amazing folks up at progressivechristianity.org. And they were asking like, so what made this shift in you? And so for me, and it's the same thing I'm going to tell you now, I told them yesterday is I feel like I was just being radically true to the spirit of truth that was within me. And I feel like even I'm still doing that and I feel immense peace, you know, from doing that. And so for me, it wasn't about being a rebel. It wasn't about just doing something against the grain just to be against the grain. It was genuinely and truly that I was being connected to the Christ in me. And because I was being so connected to the Christ in me, Jesus even said, the spirit of truth will lead you into all truth. And so for me, that was leading me away from more conservative evangelical ideals that were uh, putting me in a place where feeling like I was in a vice. What it did for me, following the spirit of guidance within me, the Holy Spirit within me, if you want to get real charismatic up in here, uh, it was leading me to a more expansive way of living and being and believing in the world. And so it wasn't about being a rebellious person, but so for some of you that are 
entering into a place of deconstruction or are beginning to find hope in places where people in more conservative um, groups say is evil or wrong. Like for me, a big thing for me was, you know, meditation and Eastern philosophy. So that clearly was people thinking that I was just like going off the deep end into something else. So, um, you know, for me, it was more so about following that spirit of truth that led me to meditation. And it led me to those places where I began to feel immense freedom. Um, so if you're entering into that place of deconstruction, or like I said, reconstruction, where you're finding maybe inspiration from non-traditional sources of wisdom to, let's say, I am come from the Christian world, so maybe you do too, from you know evangelical charismatic circles, maybe you're finding hope and inspiration from wisdom teachers, maybe you are you know, beginning to read more philosophical things like I did, like Alan Watts. Maybe you're inspired by Ram Dass, which has deeply impacted me. Maybe you are even just getting into, I remember early in my deconstruction, listening to a Dalai Lama um, talk. You know, there was a, a talk that he did that was really impactful to me. Uh, but for me, I knew I couldn't share that with anyone. Uh, I knew I couldn't be upfront about where I was. I just had to kind of keep that to myself and allow that to feed me in the way it needed to feed me. So, so anyways, getting back to my original thought for this video is how do you handle and reconcile people that want to just call you rebellious, people that want to just call you being a backslider? How do you reconcile when people that you deeply love and care about that you're in friendship and relationship with look at you like you have completely missed the bus. And so for me, I've struggled with this and I've been hiding um, in large, you know, around these people. Um, and so part of my story is, is it came out through some podcasts um, to someone that I deeply love that I was heavily questioning the authority of the Bible. And I, you know, in conversation and podcasts, I just kind of made a comment about how like Paul was full of shit or something like that. And, um, you know, sometimes he was, <laughs> but I've grown to really appreciate Paul's teachings more. Um, but you know, it got back to somebody that I deeply cared about. Uh, that had a major impact and influence in my life, who was, you know, absolutely someone who was an authoritative figure to me. And the conversation started pretty okay, you know, but I began to talk about, you know, substitutionary atonement, the idea that Christ's blood had to pay for my sin to the Father, and if that blood, that blood is not going to be currency, then I am damned to an eternal hell. And I was trying to kindly and lightly relay that I don't hold to that theory anymore. Um, and that individual got very upset that I called it a theory. They were holding on to, in their mind, what they thought that that was absolute truth. Uh, they thought that that was clear in the scripture that Christ had to die in our place for our sins and his blood is the only currency that will pay for my entryway into heaven and keep me from the place that I will naturally go to unless I take that currency, uh, which that other place would be hell. And so 
Um, whenever I use the term substitutionary atonement theory, it really set this person over the edge and began to defend their religious uh, understanding of that theology. And this conversation got super heated and I was defending myself. They were defending their themselves. And finally I cut through all of that. And I said, you know, you're defending what you believe to be truth for you. But what you don't realize is that you are deeply wounding me in this relationship. Like set aside all the philosophical ideas about theology and God and you know, how Y equals MX plus B in spirituality, you know, is, uh, set all that garbage aside one-on-one -on -one as two human beings, you are deeply wounding and hurting me. And the person on the other end of the line said, well, I'm sorry that you feel that way, but I have built my whole life on this truth and I cannot not defend it and speak up for it. And in that moment, I realized that I was going to have a long road ahead of disagreements with people that I deeply love. And over the past few years, I've been kind of gun shy about sharing my deconstruction journey. I've been nervous about what people are going to think. This individual person that I've talked about, whenever he calls me, I'm always thinking, did he find something else out about me that he wants to call, call me out about? And that's no way to really live. But that's my, been my reality. And so for me, dealing with deep friendships uh, and relationships where your beliefs are radically shifting and your values are radically shifting, it's a hard thing for people who are sorting out their faith like I was at the time and still am, but uh, to have a still functioning relationship with that person. Luckily, We've been able to understand like what is going to benefit our relationship and friendship well. Um, and so we've, we've kind of learned that. Uh, but here's the thing, and here's, here's the, the situation that I'm in right now, if I can share that with you guys. I am currently, uh, I left my, my, I was sold commercial insurance. I was working a secular job. I was a church planter. That didn't go well. I had to make money somehow. I've been in the, you know secular industries for a while trying to make ends meet. Uh, I'm now entering back into a more quote, quote, ministry setting. Um, so one of the things I'm doing is starting a creative co-working space downtown Oceanside, California. Uh, but in addition to that, I'm helping uh, pretty much... Um, launch a church within a church um, here in Oceanside at Oceanside Sanctuary. So we're shifting a lot of things. We're changing a lot of things. We're becoming more vocal about our inclusion, more vocal about our, um, you know, expansive theology or progressive theology. We're including people who are typically excluded from evangelical circles. We're being more contemplative. We're incorporating meditation. We are bringing people into a place of seeing the other, not as other, but as one in us. And with that, as we were just in a staff meeting this last week, is we're figuring out how to retool church in a way that meets our convictions and our theology, we're we all had this conversation of if this comes out, if these things that we have conviction about around this table become more public, then we are going to deal with some backlash from some friendships and relationships and family members. We're going to deal with some of the, the shit that's going to come from raising the flag of what we truly believe to be true and what the divine is doing in this day and age. 
And so I had to really think, and I had some flashbacks of that conversation of the substitutionary atonement theory with my family member. It wasn't even a friend, it was a family member. And I had to relive, like, am I willing to have these conversations again? Am I willing to be over my season of gun shyness to, you know, stand up for what I truly actually believe in? You know, am I ready to come out of just, you know, my, you know, talks at the, at the bar over a beer conversation and actually raise the flag to see who might be in our community that would greatly benefit from the work that we're doing here? Am I willing to put up with being ostracized from people that know me and love me for the people who might be feeling isolated, alone, disconnected because of their deconstruction and reconstruction that looks different from their conservative upbringing. And I had to really come to a conclusion that am I willing to be in a place where I think that, you know, this relationship could potentially never look the same or feel the same again. And that's been a really difficult thing to come to this week. Like if I'm going to raise my voice in advocacy for people who are needing to find spiritual community, who are needing to find a voice and a home, whether that be people who are deconstructing, maybe that be the gay community, you know, wherever it might be that I feel like I want to stand up for, am I willing for my relationships who are still conservative and not in the place where I'm at, am I willing for that to never be the same again, potentially? And I had to come to the conclusion that the risk of having some difficult conversation around theological and philosophical ideas with people who think they have it figured out, the risk of that does not match the risk of not speaking up in a time, in a day and age where people literally are searching for anyone to be able to have conversations and to be authentic and transparent with about what God is doing in their hearts and minds that is foreign to more rigorous religious systems. And so for me, I had to pull that into reconciliation. And so how I'm doing that, how I'm seeing how these things could flesh out, um, I felt like as I come to that conclusion in my heart and mind that like, you know, I'm going to have to face some potential threats. I'm going to have to face some potential criticism. I'm going to have to have some difficult conversation. As I'm preparing for that, I'm thinking, how are some ways, um, how, are th- how are ways going to help me? What are some ways that will help me and hopefully help you navigate these really important family and friend, sh- uh, friend relationships? And so for me, um, just to get really practical <laughs> is number one is I'm going to not uh, feel personally attacked by the person who um, is confronting me. I'm going to choose to not put that there. Um, that This person, whoever it is, and I'm not talking about just random people that heckle you on the internet or picket your you know, church or whatever like that. I'm not talking about people like that. I'm talking about people you have friendship with, your family members. Um, whenever disagreements and things like that come up, whenever you're pursuing a more expansive theology and they're more conservative, remove yourself from the idea that their frustration and their defensiveness and their absolute, um, 
fiery arrows <laughs> are not necessarily aimed at you or as me as their friend, as their cousin, as their son or daughter, or as their childhood, you know, best friend. Their, you know, vehement is not to necessarily us, or at least we have to hold that with disattachment. We cannot be attached to the idea that they are absolutely, you know, coming after us as the direct enemy. You know, what they're really upset about is their ideological framework, their mental framework, their idea of who God is, how he functions, and what that means for life. They are being reactive to the idea that that's going to be shaken. They're reactive to the idea that their nice and tidy understanding of, of what is true and what isn't is being disrupted and rattled. And so in that conversation, if we can just hold our composition, if we cannot give in to, uh, you know, the emotionally fueled reaction to where we are, you know, our position of where we're coming from, if we cannot give in to that reaction, then I think it will help navigate the health of that friendship. So I was on a walk with my wife last night and we're going back to visit family in Indiana and you know, there's a, a unique topic that has come out within the family that I'm really not at liberty to share about right now. Uh, but my wife's trying to figure out how she's going to be honest with her parents about her differing position, her differing ideology about this topic that is rised, uh, you know, in the family. And my wife had a really great way of doing that. And she said, you know, I'm going to let you know right now that I have a differing opinion and just lay it out to them. I feel convicted or compelled towards this understanding. And, you know, I'm going to let you sit with that for a little bit until we have a conversation. And what she's doing in that moment as she's, you know, talking to me about how she's going to handle this potential threat and this potential disagreement. Uh, she's saying that she is preemptively knowing that this is going to rattle the emotion of her parents. And so... She's saying, why don't you come to grips with the fact that this is my position before we have an emotional debate? And so for number one, I think that that is crucial is separating yourself from the, you know, the, the emotional reaction to the topic, not to them, not to my wife, like my, her, my in-laws love my wife but they aren't going to love her position about a particular topic that has come to light. So I'd say number one, disattach yourself um, from the feeling that they are personally attacking you for your differing beliefs um, as they have shifted. Uh, the second thing that I think that I would do is um, have grace and compassion for their, their position. And this is really hard for us, especially for those of us that are deconstructing and we're re feeling really, uh, you know, um, passionate about how we are growing. You know, I know for me, it was like, I'm feeling ridiculously, you know, intrigued and passionate about how a more expansive theology and progressive theology and a universal love and oneness is reality for me. And, um, I had to have learned to have grace and compassion that I wasn't this way. And there were people in my life that had grace and compassion for me whenever I associated with a more rigorous theology. 
And so I have to now do my part. And even as hard as it can be, when these people are, you know, coming at you and are very passionate and are very emotional and very shaken by the fact that you're poking at and teasing with the reality of eternity in a lot of people's minds between heaven and hell. I mean, that's what's at stake for a lot of people, you know, that we're, that are still in more conservative, you know, ways of understanding, have compassion for that. So separate yourself and then have compassion to know it's completely outside of their worldview and framework to be comprehending this right now. And so you, have to understand that you just could have potentially wrecked somebody else's theology. And I think this is what Paul is talking about uh, whenever, I forget if it's in Corinthians, um, about your freedom to not celebrate particular holidays and you know you can eat certain foods and you can do all of this, or it might be Romans actually, I believe it's Romans, uh, might be nine or something, is where Paul's saying like, don't use your freedom to make other people stumble. Well, guess what, Paul? we are using our freedom to make potentially other people stumble because authenticity and honesty, and we don't live in the first century BC anymore. Uh, the internet's available and all of these things that's wrecking people's theology every day, whether you like it or not, and I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to potential people who are, you know, in opposition to like deconstruction and progressive theology. Um, essentially like we have, a responsibility, I think, to help shake people's faiths up, but we have to do it with immense emotional intelligence, with immense, ap not apathy, but empathy, rather, for people's place, and for many of us to know that we were once in that place, like, absolutely, we were once in that place, and so having that to know that you may very well be the culprit of someone's shipwrecked faith. You need to do that in such a graceful, peaceful, redemptive way. And in a way that you, even if you're not a pastor, assuming some sort of pastoral responsibility, because this person, depending on what happens when you shake up their philosophy and theology, the person that they're going to come to, to help them work through all of this is you. Cause you're the one that did that. I have plenty of people that through conversations over a beer or maybe it was a podcast have now found confidence in me and have confided in my guidance because I'm the one that shook their faith up. And once you taste, you cannot untaste. So if you're going to deal with these conversations and sometimes you may instigate them and sometimes other people may bring them up to you, if you're going to enter into that, do it with the sort of grace and peacemaking, and love, and mercy, and exercise the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Exercise self-control in all of these things when you are entering into dialogue to know that you might very well flip somebody else's world upside down. So number one, I would say detach from the reality that they are not taking shots at you. They're taking shots at the differing ideas and the ideas that they've built their life on. Um, you know, secondly, I would say have empathy, do it with grace and peace and have, uh, um, you know, compassion on where these people are at in a more, you know, conservative worldview. Um, and then I think just lastly, uh, for me, it's, having an absolute, so I guess number three, if we're getting all ceremony on it here, uh, number three would be is that have confidence in your path. 
And that was crucial for me that when these disagreements come about, when opposition happens, when potential threats arise, we can't allow that to dictate our journey then. Because what we can do is, especially with someone like the person that I was talking about at the beginning of this talk was they had, a, they had authority in my life. And because they had authority in my life, I had to go back and re-question my path because of their authority. And I could have easily shifted, but I knew, I knew I had to stay true to the leading and the guiding that was in me. I had to have more faith and trust in the spirit of God, bringing me into more expansive, inclusive places than this other person's opinion and thought about my differing theology. And so lastly, you really need to come to terms in reconciliation with the divine and your own identity in that. Um, and that takes a long time for people. I know it's taken a long time for me and I'm still working into that. But the reality is we have to know that the path we are on is truly inspired by God, that the universe is pulling us into this and that this expansive reality of deconstruction and then potentially reconstruction. Um, and for me, reconstruction, just so you know, reconstruction for me has put me in more of a progressive Christian place. Um, but even more so than that has put me in a more interfaith place. I learn so much from Buddhist Dharma. I learn so much from Hindu teachers. I listen to Krishna Das, who is a, he does music and potentially we would call it worship in Christian circles with a harmonium and it's super Eastern. And, you know, he's singing Hare Krishna mantras and stuff. I sense the spirit of God whenever I listen to that, because I believe in this overarching universal Christ that is truly what Paul says in all things that in all things, bringing all things and reconciling all things, that there is one golden thread through everything and God is working in and through that. Now, for me, Christianity is my heritage. Christianity is my lineage. Um, it, I'm a Westerner. I'm an American. So by nature, I'm going to be a Christian. Even more so, I was born into a Christian household and I've been a Christian pastor and I've been, my education is in Christian leadership. So for me, my rootedness, my groundedness, my tradition um, that I feel the most connected in is the Jesus tradition. So I'm a Christian, but I do have interfaith leaning to where I am not opposed to any other way of experiencing God through Taoism. You know, Alan Watts has been pivotal in my life. It, revealing a lot of Hindu and Taoist ideas that have, I think, really dovetailed perfectly with Jesus and with the Christian narrative and that it's been in Christian circles just in the more pushed to the side ones, you know, because people used to get literally killed for different ideas 400 years ago. You know, there's a tweet I just saw. It said, you know, if you're not believing, you know, things that would have got you killed 400 years ago, are you even living? You know, it's really funny. But Point being is I have to reconcile, I have to reconcile that that is the right path for me and that I am not going to be swayed by anyone else's, uh, you know, prescription for me 
to do anything other than what I feel like the Spirit of God is doing in me that's bringing me more wholeness, more fullness, more excitement, more curiosity, more connectedness and oneness with God. Which, newsflash, that was Jesus' whole premise. If you read John 17, he finishes the prayer with that we would be one with the Father, Mother, as he is one with the Father. We're using Father because first century BC, that's the language they use. Hinduism uses Mother, and I appreciate that as well too, because God does not have a gender. Newsflash. But the point being is we have to be radically committed to the true self, to the true self in us, because the reality is many of us allow people to dictate our livelihood and our path, and then what happens is we live into a false self. We live into a false narrative that's been manipulated, you know, coerced, and, you know, crafted by things that aren't us, that aren't Christ, that aren't the divine. And the problem with that is we are never able to be fully alive into who we are and who we were created to be and the fullness of life that I believe God wants each and every one of us to live into the fullness of. So for me, it's knowing and having confidence that whenever I'm in disagreement or whenever I'm facing potential threats or people are really trying to figure out how I've lost my way or whatever, I have to know and have confidence that I have not lost my way. I am exactly on the right path. I am doing the right thing and I am living the life that God wants me to live and all things are reconciled to him, even the things that other people think are wrong. And that's how I think we can have better um, talks, have better conversation, have better arguments with people who are you know, not understanding more of our expansive progressive theology. So. Hopefully that helps and recap. First and foremost, we have to detach ourselves from the reality uh, and the idea that people are having a reaction against us as people. They're reacting against your ideas that are challenging theirs. Um, secondly, we need to have grace and empathy with people uh, for you know them trying to understand. And then lastly, we need to be absolutely true to the path that we are on because that is the right path for me, for you, and we have to be true to that. So thank you guys for, for checking this out. It's been something that's been on my mind this week and I had to you know, uh, share with you. Um, I'm gonna be making more of these videos. I'm gonna be making more of these podcasts and uh, I'm on Instagram a lot, so you should connect with me there. Just search for The Spiritual Nomad. Uh, the actual handle is at un the underscore spiritual underscore nomad. Also, I have a website, spiritualnomad.org, uh, offer some services there. So, uh, And also, if you'd like to collaborate, I would love to collaborate with you. If you are in a deconstruction or reconstruction place or in an interfaith place or you're a Hindu or a Buddhist or um, ex-Christian or you are still a Christian and you're working it out, any of those things, I would love to connect with you. So send me a DM or email me and I would love to connect. So hit subscribe and we will be back here next time, either myself or an amazing guest. So have a great day and subscribe. We'll talk to you soon.